Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. All right. Let's look to the Father as we begin tonight's teaching. Father, we praise you and thank you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made. We rejoice in the glad. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit as educator and guide to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Just before I get started, I want to welcome you to the broadcast. Thank you for listening tonight. Please note that we are fastly approaching the 28 days of glory, and we do want you to know that we will be teaching every day in the month of February on the Word of God. And it's important that you join us because we're going to have um, some pivotal foundational teachings this year that are going to transform your appreciation for the Word of God, but more importantly, your appreciation for the redemptive work of Christ and what He's done for you to achieve victory in life. The theme of the year for the ministry is liberated for such a time as this, operating in a spirit of liberty, but we need to know where and why we are liberated. And and we're going to be defining that also in the months ahead. But in addition to that, I want you to join us for a special time of deliberate study of the Word every day in the month of February. Devote those 28 days to um, systematically studying the Word of God. And just like we are going to study the Word of God systematically in this particular lesson, we want you to uh, join us in our study, our continuation on the study of the success commentary. The success commentary, and tonight we're on part two, sanctifying the superiority complex. And I know you're wondering, what is the superiority complex? Well, you're going to find out tonight. We're going to go to five passages of Scripture. We're going to um, be lo- locked in the New Testament today, in First Peter three fifteen, John seventeen nineteen, First Thessalonians five twenty three, for connecting knowledge, and then Acts twenty six seventeen through eighteen. And then as our um, primary passage tonight, which we will refer to, and if we have time, we may explore it, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 22. Again, that's 1 Peter 3.15, John 17.19, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Acts 26.17 through 18, and 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 22. We've already prayed, so... Welcome to the Success Commentary. Let's begin. We are sanctifying the superiority complex. The spirit man is engrafted in what it takes to achieve success. But there are no rules to abstracting that awareness 
and it's not just in the identification of one's own gifts and talents. Many are aware of their potential, but it is a decision and a resolve to outline and enact on divine authorized directives. Mankind strives for success, mainly by external actions, but God begins with motives and belief systems within the conscience, flooding them with insights, imaginations, and ideas long before he prompts the person to act in time. So please don't avoid the character shaping of the Holy Spirit because generally that is what God begins with when he affords success by his manners and by his means. I want you to know that the Spirit is the covenant carrier of the insights we need to be successful in life. And according to Christ, through the access that we have, we are awakened to the promises that should and can be fulfilled in this present world and even the world to come. Never keep Christianity under the illusions of mere ideals, always seeking a way to, uh, 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 the way of manifesting proofs to make every strive worth the effort of achieving a successful life. So when we talk about the spirit man being engrafted in what it takes to achieve success, we're saying that we, we've been given through the Spirit character lived, a character to live a godly life in every effort um, that we, we, we make. We're talking about control over the impulses of carnality uh, and finding solutions of truth to the soul. We're talking about correction in righteousness and knowledge. Uh, and then, of course, that righteousness awakens wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And then we're also talking about connection to the purposes of God's heart to exist and live out of the convictions of God's best. And then creative power to convert our reality from the world into the kingdom of his dear son. So, so we, we need to understand that these uh, must be outlined and resolved in order to enact on it. Mainly God will, will expose us to this by empowering our imaginations, our insights, and our ideas. Amen. So, so don't allow the uh, Holy Spirit to be confined to just an emotional eruption in a service or a feeling. He is the intelligence of God, that which makes us instinctively obey God's will. Because the scripture tells us in Hebrews that God writes the laws on our hearts and our minds so that we can be a people, and he can be to us God. And so it's the Spirit of God that helps us. I can't reemphasize enough that success is merely a stepping stone in the heart of God. He secured a route called the covenant of blessing. And we do not have to go around striving to attain it or create some book of rules or schemes to plot out our own success. That is the fate of fulfilling or self-fulfilling prophecy. Haven't y'all ever heard of that concept? Self-fulfilling prophecy is where you hear something that you believe is applicable to your life and you go out to try to make that prophecy valid. And a lot of people do this in their life. They hear something from the church or over the pulpit and say, that's for me. And then they, next thing you know, they subvertedly or subconsciously are trying to create the manifestations of those things. That's not spiritual guidance. That's demonic. That's you 
going after self-fulfilling prophecy. God doesn't need you to prove himself. He's God all by himself. And while we're trying to figure it out, he's already worked it out. So, And that goes back into our appreciation of the Holy Spirit. So we're not striving to attain or create some book of rules or schemes to plot out our own success. That is the fate of fulfilling prophecy, which is the origin of demonic influence and activity. No, we isolate success by adhering to the plans and purposes and pursuits prescribed directly from, us, from God to us through his indwelling Holy Spirit. And so it's important that we restore as believers, especially in the church, the emphasis of the Holy Spirit. And you can go back to the history of the church in Acts when the actions um, that were displayed were all under the influence of the Holy Spirit. They did nothing without receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, and neither should we. We do not have the power to create the will of God, but we do have the capability to adapt to his plans. And when we do so, he affords his grace within us to complete it. The Holy Spirit is what enables us to live out our Christian life. And every Christian is subject to performing, producing, and the prompting of God's will. God is all-knowing and all-powerful. And in Christ, we adapt to the same virtues that make us undeniable in him. And so it's in him that we move, live, and have our being. And we must have confidence in who we are in Christ. Hallelujah. Father God has a pattern as to how he governs himself with mankind. And whenever he engages with them in endeavors, he gave them some sort of understanding on what it will take to spark the revelations of change. Because God is not natural, he is rarely concerned about the appearance of success. Because he'd rather you attain irrevocable proof for his guidance than glamour. Although he does not give understanding, uh, although he uh, rather although he does give understanding, he does not and will not afford a play-by-play. -play. Now I want y'all to pay attention to how I'm wording this, because he is not subject to your obedience. A lot of times, you know, God needs somebody in the earth. We control God. No, we don't control God. You know, we say God has done all that he was going to do. No, God's going to do a whole lot more things that we got to come in contact. He ain't still. He ain't stagnant. He ain't stale. And I understand he makes known the end from the beginning. And there's a lot of things that God um, won't do because he's already done them. And we're just waiting for us to really realize what he's already done. But that doesn't mean that he's not doing anything and that he's not moving. He's still creator. He's still on the throne. Um, and never get so confident in, in, in your terminology that you lock God into your own boxes of being. Now, of course, he doesn't change, but that doesn't mean he don't move <laughs> just because he doesn't change. Nello, and the fact that he was creating in the beginning also lets you know that he's still creating today if he doesn't change. So so don't confine God to just a, a normally accepted theology. Go explore God for yourself. See, we don't create the will of God, but we do have the capability to adapt to his plans. And that's what I want you to understand. God is not natural. He is not really concerned about the appearance of success because he'd rather you 
attain irrevocable proof of his guidance and glamour. Now listen to this. God is, however, subject to what he previously stipulated to you. And that and and what you know, the things that he promised to you that are from him, he has full knowledge of and directors. And he also is aware of what you have retained in him. So revisiting repetitive instructions are irrelevant in his eyes in this connotation. Because some people are looking for a second confirmation, and that's not good either. If you hesitate to obey the directors of God, why would he provide you things that will require you to make deliberate decisions on the spot? Hallelujah. And I don't have this in my note, but I want you to, to note this. People that drive success are good decision makers. They have a disciplined work ethic. They are diligent in communication, getting back and responding. Huh? They're devoted to service. You know, whether it be public or private, they're devoted to service. And they're also diligent in transferring insights and concepts to the next generation. They're not selfish people. So, so if you have those things, those things will drive success. But that's just an insert for you. Um, not in my notes, just receive it from the Holy Ghost because I want you to understand that God governs himself and, and he gives us the ability to govern ourselves through what is relevant to him. You see what I'm saying? He doesn't spoon feed us in the process either. He makes us aware by accepting us and giving us access to adapt to his plans by his power through the power of the Spirit, to engage that process that transformed our lives. Amen? So here are some basic awarenesses that we must come to light of and retain as believers for living successfully. Some basic awarenesses, because I said, again, not only did he accept us, but he made us aware. And, and in this awareness, we're going to, also be released into what we are superior in. Amen? Flow with me tonight. Take your notes out and let's begin. First, the awareness of our great salvation. Our great salvation. And this is the uh, the belief system that is embedded in the notion that he has already equipped us with the things we need that pertain to life and godliness in the knowledge of Christ. And as we confess the need for Christ to be our Savior, we adapt to his nature, we accept and adhere to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and we advance through faith, faith and grace to a higher quality of life. That's my point number one, the awareness of our great salvation, and our sub-points are that we adapt to his nature, accept and adhere to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and we advance through faith and grace. Hallelujah, to a higher quality of life. Amen. So so, so when you want to know what salvation is, what is it? Salvation is accepting, his, uh, uh, adapting to his nature, accepting and adhering to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and it's advancing through faith and grace. And you can justify that with, through 
uh, uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's the activating process. But what are we accepting? What are we confessing? That he's Lord and that God raised him from the dead. We, we confess with our mouth. We believe in our heart. Right? We adapt to his nature. We accept and adhere the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what changes the heart. Man looketh on the outward appearance. God looketh on the heart. Why? Because God wants to give us a higher quality of life. Next, we also are brought to the awareness of the authority given to reign in life. Hallelujah. Scriptures are always flood my mind when I think about this in Romans 5, 6, and 7. And then you go to Romans 8, and it really just tells you really the advantage that the whole world is awaiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. But we, there is no condemnation to those who walk in the spirit and not after the flesh. Why? Because we have been, uh, made, been made aware to the authority given us to reign in life. Meaning we are divinely enabled to reign as royalty in Christ. As deity mm. in the spirit realm, because we are disciplined in our convictions of faith to make right choices and devoted to a life of faithfulness to the plans of God on earth as it is in heaven. So here we go again with another outline. When we talk about authority, given authority, we're made aware of our authority. What does our authority mean? We've been divinely enabled. That's number one. Number two, what are we? Devoted. Uh, devoted to a life of faithfulness. And then thirdly, we're disciplined in our convictions of faith to make right choices. So, so when we talk about authorized, see, you remember the, the, the soldier that came and told Jesus to speak the word only, his servant, he said, I'm a man under authority. I understand this. I understand the power of the spoken word because I know who you're carrying. You're carrying the source of the God in you. So speak the word only, and my servant will be here. And Jesus looked at him. Now, he a centurion soldier. He said, I ain't find no faith like this in Israel. Why? Because he was devoted to the life of faithfulness to God's plan. He was disciplined in his convictions. And he knew that Jesus was divinely enabled to minister to his servant. Amen. So these things help us. And see, if you don't know that you're authorized by God, you won't stand up confidently to success, to the, to the, to the, uh, the stretching of success in life. Now, thirdly, we are aware of the value of being indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Not only are we saved, not only are we authorized, but we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. You get what I'm saying? We, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. The natural man cannot obtain the things of God, neither does he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Why? Because we are indwelt with the spirit. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And these values empower the virtues of Christ through empowering the voice of God over the conscience, um, over the conscience and vision prophetically to actualize his plans. 
So when I when I talk about uh, being indwelled with the Holy Spirit, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the number one, the virtues of Christ. Number two, the voice of God and the visions prophetically imparted to actualize what you heard from his voice based on the virtues of Christ that reside on the inside of you. See, you can do all things through Christ, and Christ is not Jesus' last name, but it's indicative of the power that he possessed that he transmitted to us. And what did he transmit to us? The Holy Spirit. He will lead and guide you into all truth. Hallelujah. And so we must value the, the, not only that we're saved and not only that we're authorized, but we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And of course, you can do John 15, 16, and 17. I've said that so many times on the broadcast that you can go back five messages and find that same passage quoted on almost every teaching because it is the Holy Spirit that enables us to live the Christian life, as I said earlier. So listen to this. Also note that we have confidence in our ability to go forward uh, toward his plans and come from the awareness of the knowledge of the redemptive work of Christ. Now, I love teaching about redemption. Often when you find a Christian struggling with the things of God, you can you can almost go to the very point of really understand do really of them identifying and understanding what their rights are in Christ. Do they understand what it means to be redeemed? So it is the redemption of Christ. When we go toward this, we are awakened to accepting our salvation, to accepting that we've been authorized and given authority. We've also accepted the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. The next one is accepting the work of his redemption, the knowledge of his work, which requires us to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Amen. So when we talk about the redemptive work of Christ, this is key because in light of this understanding contains revelations as to why we are reconciled with God. The rights and rewards of serving God, which ultimately resolves us to commit to a life of righteousness. So there's our fantastic three under our, our fourth, fourth point, which is the redemptive work of Christ. And the redemptive work of Christ is, is, is the knowledge of, number one, why we are reconciled with God. Number two, why we have rights and rewards. And then number three, the resolve to live righteously. See, the reason why we have rights and rewards is so that we can live righteously. So we can live in those righteous, um, those rights and rewards. And that accepting that God's way is the way of righteousness. And then finally, we are brought to the awareness that we have been liberated to exist in his love. The love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Amen. So those are the five awarenesses that we are brought to light to in the scripture. But now we need to understand what really makes us superior and then sanctify the superiority complex. And we'll do this in the next few minutes and close for this lesson and continue on the final lesson. Now, what makes us superior is our setting apart priority to be governed guided and ever-growing in the Spirit, willfully choosing to endure a growing process to what I coined as a superiority in Christ. Now here's where we can go far left in a negative connotation in words that 
we void out the potential advantages in its claims. And in superiority is a notion of mastery, excellence, above the norm, unbeatable, unstoppable. And truly when we are flowing in the vein of this connotation, um, in light of the Holy Spirit being within us, it authentically becomes our reality. So we got to change what this superiority complex is. See, when somebody, you know, when we talk about superiority complex, we're really given a connotation of egotism, right? Egotism, where they, they, they think more highly than they ought, the scripture would say. But not only is there a superiority complex in that, uh, uh, that's in the negative set, but there's also a superiority in the complex of having resolved your, resolve your life to the reality of righteousness. That when you're in right standing with God, you can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace and help in the time of need. And so that becomes a, a new superiority complex, a new complex, a new, a new place where we build the components of our mind. That's what I mean by complex. And so if we build our components of, 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 of on our mind to what Christ has done, that changes the whole game of superiority. Amen? So what what makes us uh, uh, superior is us having placing a priority on being governed and guided by, by and growing in the Holy Spirit. And so how is this reflected? In us through the process of sanctification, this is what we're going to talk about for the rest of the lesson, being totally set apart for God's uses and purposes, this is how. Only when we discover fulfillment in God's salvation plan will this come alive. So briefly, let's ponder over what exactly we have when we achieve salvation. When he saved us from our sins and secured us in him and developed us um, developed us in his nature from this perspective and from this vantage, let's build our mind. Now, we must throw in this clause about salvation because success requires confidence in our spiritual reserves. Uh, uh, we, know, uh, uh, we know that we can only exist through accepting Christ, accepting Christ as Lord. And also, this is a confidence in our ability to connect with God um, in life for ever-expanding belief system. Because as man believed God, it's accredited to, to us as righteousness. And we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. And that, and that is a revelation in the belief system that, that is ever-expanded. And it is expected of us if we claim the purpose of heart to, to be successful God's way. Because God only wants us successful by his means so that no man can boast in the grace of living a successful life. Now, when we talk about success, sometimes we kind of load the, the emphasis of the word in preachers. You've got to be careful when you get a topic such as success, and it's only one passage in the scripture that uses the term. The rest of the term uh, is, is, really, is really insinuated in the concept of the covenant of blessing, which, which we know... It would take years to go through the exhausting benefits of the blessings in the scripture. So, but we do know that the relevance of the word success is that we activate this through trusting God. 
We trust God, and as a result of our trust, we accept what He what He has given us as the way out, as the way of escape. And we neglect anything that is contrary to that which we've adapted our nature to. And if that be the case when it comes to our salvation and our the clause of of of, of being saved also also causes us a, a clause of being cleansed from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. So we have to have that in the forefront of our mind and build our vantage point on that accepting. So so confidence in spiritual reserves requires a higher vantage point in life, far from the secular society. It is not as easy as people make it out to be to evaluate the outlook of life on an ever-expanding belief system that is expected to claim the purpose of heart to succeed God's way. Superiority in Christ is often scrutinized by folk in and out the church from the imperfection clause. No one's perfect. They say no one's perfect. That, that, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive for perfection because we the scripture tells us we should prescribe to be perfected. Hallelujah, which means brought out, brought into maturity. And so we cling, we cling to the words of, of, of Christ for life. And how if you are in Christ, the things, uh, uh, um, old things are irrelevant and new things are expedient. And if old things are irrelevant in Christ and new things are expedient, then it is of you, it, uh, th- then it's of you to make certain that everything changes. It is up to you to make certain that everything changes. If old things are irrelevant and all and new things are expedient, it's up to you to make certain that everything changes. And this uh, we should take note of, especially when we claim sanctification, which is a deep-seated cleansing in the brain, a spiritual introspection that provokes developing and growing in the admonition of Christ. It is pertinent that we renew our mind in the divine outlook and a vantage point with origins in the knowledge of Christ that has passed, that has the past participle achieved complete victory. Achieved in the past complete victory. And from this point, we build our hope on things like the old saints say, eternal. Life is full of Swiss transmission, the old hymnologists would say. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. That's what they were saying. Life is full of, of swift transitions. Amen. One day I'll sing it to you, but we got to go on. So let's sanctify the process and begin with, the, with looking at these following um, notes briefly. When we allow God to sanctify us, we are, are cleansed to be fit to carry the weight and honor behind the missions, the mantles, and the ministries, if need be, um, which changes the way we look at success. And when we, we say we have changes in the way we look at success, we change our claims to success. And so I want to give you five claims that we change as a result of looking at success God's way. Number one is the claim of success to pass down responsibility the claim of success to pass down responsibility because where do you get things passed down to you from with this new mindset from God 
from God. Secondly, the claim, the claim of success through prophetic declarations. Why? Because that also comes from God. Anything that's prophetic teaches us the voice of God. Amen. And then thirdly, the, 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 the claim of success through pursuits of ultimate purposes. Not self-ambitions, but ultimate purposes. Purposes that are for the earth that will produce perpetual success over and over again. Ultimate purposes. Greater pictures beyond us, beyond our activity. See, see when, we, when we really take on this higher vantage point and we, and we minimize and get rid of the irrelevant, the old way of thinking, and embrace the new way of thinking, then we, we pursue things differently. And then also, also what changes is our passion our passion for doing kingdom expansion and exploits. And then, of course, when we our passion changed and our pressing toward higher callings can really uh, exist in a higher claims as well. So we have higher outlooks and higher claims because we have different, um, different forms of success which produce passed-down responsibilities, prophetic declarations, pursuit to ultimate purposes, passion for doing kingdom exploits, and pressing toward higher callings. Now, with this, we all, it also makes the demand on the power to succeed change. The power to succeed changes because we have power of purpose and responsibility. We have power of provoking development through, the, through an authoritative voice. We have power to, to, to prosper in work and wealth creation. We have the power of perpetual friendships and lasting relationships. And then we also have the power of purity, which creates a legacy that remains in the earth forever and ever and ever and ever. But I cannot leave you uh, without going to some scriptures to really talk about sanctifying the superiority complex. Because that's where it begins. The scripture tells us to cast not away our confidence, for in it lies great recompense. Meaning there's some things reserved, recompense of rewards. There's a treasure, there's a treasure field of rewards in a true set of confidence that is built on who we are in Christ. And we have to be sanctified to that process. And unfortunately, this generation doesn't know much about sanctification, but that changes tonight. Let's go to the Word and see what the Word of God has to say about sanctification. Of course, you know, um, when our example and our illustration text is found in Acts chapter 26. I, I want to go there because when, when Paul, one of the greatest conversions we see in Scripture is the conversion of Paul the Apostle. One, because he was, he was bent on the old way to oppress Christians for their belief. And Jesus had to appear to him supernaturally to convert him. And my prayer is that those of you who find it so hard to believe on this ancient of days were coming into an encounter with God that will shape the very roots and foundations of your belief to convert to the things of God. And the reason why I want that to happen is because I want you to have undeniable proof that he's still on the throne. That prayer, my prayer changes things. But also that God has a desire to change the way you see success. And if you think you know success, 
You haven't seen anything until you come in contact with God. Hallelujah. And so just like in Acts, in the 26th chapter, we see Jesus having already ascended to the heavens. And by this point, when Paul was destructive and, and aggressive and successful in his combat to destroy the church, Jesus reveals to him the purpose of the church and the purpose, ultimate purpose of his life. And in that, we see a process of sanctification for living. Sanctification by faith is what we see. Sanctification by faith. Hallelujah. And so in the life of Paul, and I want to just read two verses, it says, listen, Paul, Paul said, uh, Jesus said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest, verse 15, part B. But rise, verse 16 says, and stand up upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and witness of both the things which thou hast seen and of the things which I will appear unto thee. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And so here we know that anybody that's in Christ is sanctified by faith. And it is faith that pleases God, for without faith it's impossible to please God. Anyone that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. So at this point, you see why Paul was so effective in writing three-fourths of the New Testament, and then uh, and, and so effective on his experience. See, and I often say when a Christian really wants to connect to the things of God, they need experience for the supernatural. And the reason why they need experiences for the supernatural is because it, God wants to take them through a process for them to attain faith in God. And faith is really activated by experiences. This, that's why you see in Hebrews 11, by faith Abram, by faith this, Sarah, by faith the elders, by, you know. In other words, they were acting, and as they were acting on what they believed, God manifested and appeared unto them and gave them experience to know that they were acting on behalf of God. So we not only see sanctification by faith, but in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, we see that we should be sanctified wholly. Spirit, soul, and body. Man is comprised of three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. We should be a sanctified holy. But not only are we sanctified by faith or sanctified holy, we are also sancti sanctified through the truth. John 17.19. John 17.19. And through that truth is we are sanctified unto righteousness. And you can mark down Second Timothy. Let's go there, actually. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 18 uh, or 8 through 22. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 22. And I don't have time to read all of it, but I do want to get to the part where we are sanctified. Amen? So let me look at it right quick. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God for his word. Now, okay, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standing sure, having the seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in the grace house there are only vessels. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.